Welcome back, Billiken fans. Zach Miller, Peter Hale. This is the Midtown Madness Podcast. Uh, before we get going, this episode and this whole season of the Midtown Madness Podcast is brought to you by Two Men in a Garden. Not only is it Billiken season again, but as we head further into fall, the NFL season is back. And you know what goes great with football on Sundays? Chips and salsa. Whether you like it, whether you like your salsa mild or hot, chunky or cantina style, the people over at Two Men have you covered. You can pick up their products at any local grocery stores or online at twomenandagarden.com. Follow them on social media at Two Men Salsa on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Peter, <laughs> uh, this weekend, man, this weekend, um, it was weird. It was real weird. It was, uh, and I knew I was in trouble when I sat down on my couch to have the first relaxing night to myself in, I don't know how long. And all of a sudden my phone starts buzzing nonstop for the next hour and a half. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a weird weekend. I thought, you know, after all these like kids soccer games and birthday parties that ate up my weekend, I could, uh, I could step out and be an a, adult for a night. And, uh, unfortunately, no, there was a slap fight going on. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. It was a, it was a right cross knockout, Peter. Um, I, that's yeah, sure. That's more accurate. Uh, it was an absolute, like, I don't, I, I don't even know. I'm I'm so lucky that that response came to me. Like it's purely luck. Because if it wasn't like nor if I wouldn't have gone with Norfolk and Wake, I mean because honestly that's probably what it took to get a reaction. Um and Pete, if you want to uh why, why don't you kind of run down from your perspective and kind of tell everybody what happened if you weren't on Twitter. From my perspective, uh uh, Zach on the official Midtown Madness podcast account uh, decided to clap back at Kim English a little bit. He, uh, the Kim English, former Mizzou player and the head coach at George Mason University, one of our A10 rivals, uh, is uh, was on Twitter saying, I guess he he dropped a, a Mizzou specific song that he said was the the best song of 2012. It's and an absolute, just it is the peak, like like early tens white guys viral rap and and i actually i remember it from back yes. in the day too and it's one of those things i watched and never felt the need to watch again after having a laugh at it uh but yeah it was a very mizzou uh specific uh silly little internet thing from 10 years ago and so uh so so zach's reply to him was norfolking way because Mizzou, a two seed that season, lost to Norfolk State, a 15 seed in the first round of the NCAA tournament, moments before SLU and Memphis tipped off in Columbus. And uh, rather than just move on, Coach English decided to respond, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I, I'm, again, I'm lucky because I was out and about having a good time. And I'm, I mean, it certainly contributed to me going at him, but like, I'm lucky I had the wherewithal to rem. I mean, I, sh I he said 2012, and I'm lucky that I made the connection. Like normally, I would just probably have like left it. I, I don't know. There's no way I would have left it. But like, I mean, he really thought he had us. Uh, well, so so 
what you probably have because I the one piece of advice I, I gave to you was just like just keep some screenshots uh, just, <laughs> yes. just in case you you weren't thinking yes about yes I was like take screenshots so why don't you walk us through what his responses were because there were there were several this wasn't just like a single it, back and forth like it went it, on for a little it got funny too because it was like so he I only have the initial one because it was so dumb like it was the most uh, how do you not know so he said i said norfolk and way dude uh he said who'd your team play in the 2012 ncaa tournament asking for a friend to which i responded uh with a screen cap from espn app of uh slew number nine uh seated slew 61 number eight seated memphis 54. uh and then uh, I don't remember really what he like went at after that, honestly. And I think he's probably deleted it because uh, he, he deleted oh, it the first couple. Tweets. Yeah, he did. So, uh, but uh, he said <laughs> it was funny because like <laughs> um. He said, like, full disclosure, uh, or somebody was saying something about, okay, for what it's worth, people went at him, right, all over the place, and uh, just, you know, like, uh, he really thought he did something there, Um, and he said, for what it's worth, I was driving, (laughs) just wasn't used to those slew teams dancing, I've, I've accepted my L, I'm bowing out. Okay. Yeah. To uh, which to which Zach replies, really? They danced three years in a row, only stopped by the death of a legendary coach. Yeah. I mean, said, it's just. Nope. Oh, nine, 10, 11. And, uh, and then, uh, yeah, you. Oh, yeah. No, no. He said, he said, full disclosure in Missouri, saw the tweet at a red light. Didn't because yeah. the people went at it for texting while driving. Right. That's that was right. the funniest part. And the funniest part about it is is he felt the need to, like, explain that he wasn't texting and driving, which is amazing. Like, that's such an, like a, a microcosm of the, the world we live in to where, like, as a public figure, you have, you have to, like, make sure everybody knows. Like, it reminds me of, like, back, like, when COVID was way more prevalent. It was like this... The, like they, the at the end of movies and TV shows, they'd be like, "This episode was filmed with all health and safety protocols." And you're like, "Okay, like, like, sure, whatever, fine." And like nobody, nobody needed to to be told that. Um, he said, "Full disclosure: In Missouri, saw the tweet at a red light. Didn't do the research I should have because I was driving." We can discuss on your pod next season uh, before we play in St. Louis over bad pizza. Uh, and yeah. then, yeah. And I said, really? Or, oh, well, I said that. And then he said, nope. Tw- or he said, I said the thing about three years in a row. He said, nope, 29, 2010, 2011. Uh, I said, how did you graduate college with such poor reading comprehension? Uh, he said, because I, when I say those slew teams, I meant during my four season short answer. Uh, by the way, uh, he's not invited on the podcast. See, okay, this and, and this is exactly where you and I diverge a little bit because 
there was a there was that point where he kind of he accepted the fact that you dunked on him or or i think somebody else put it you blocked his dunk or something like that <laughs> uh and and uh rather than at that point when he's like we can discuss over bad pizza i would have been like you're on like we'll give us a half hour uh and we've got a show that will appeal to slew mizzou george mason three different fan bases we'll do some numbers we've got this kind of young up and coming hot new coach at george mason on there's a little bit of rivalry in two directions from slew there's there's some there's some some it can be friendly there can be lots of banter we could have them on uh but but zach decided to be the hardcore slew fan and be like and kind of kind of go at him a little bit i i I said uh are you talking about shakespeare's right is oh, that yeah. was my next reply when yeah. he? I went at him for the bad pizza but, comment. How how do you like? Uh, you're literally a Mizzou alumni. How do you alienate St. Louis fans like that? <laughs> like that's so odd. Like you can always say that like that nobody cares if you say like Chicago better is better than like X like emos, right? You can say that. Like nobody's gonna get riled up over it. But it's like just. I he can come on the show. You want to invite him on? Let's go, let's I, go. I, I, I think did he delete the tweet where he said we could discuss over? No, Facebook? he did not. He didn't delete that one. Okay, no. Maybe, maybe we let it simmer for a few months and then uh, retweet that or quote tweet that or something. Because like rather than kind of get a little uh, you know nastier with him, that would have been the one where I like would have seized and been like you're on. But again, I'm talking about like and, and you're talking from a perspective of being moderately sober i would assume maybe a couple yeah, maybe a, a glass of wine or two maybe and <laughs> i was i was in one i yeah, was in exactly, one exactly exactly we were in much different states much different frame of minds and frames of mind at that point and and yeah that so that's the that's where i would have zigged where you zagged either way you got a lot more twitter cred for it whereas you know like the you know the, the stuff that we've done on twitter that seems to be the most liked has come from your uh come from your keyboard or your phone uh, uh i and, just and, i'm and the chucklehead slew fans ate this up i mean i gotta oh. say like and not just slew fans but we had we had some some other a10 twitter heads kind of egging us on here yeah i i loved uh uh ghost mchistory uh he said he was the one who said that he said uh I said, Kim English getting dunked on tonight is not something we anticipated. He said, I disagree. He didn't get dunked on. He went for the dunk, and you guys blocked the attempt so hard he's in the shadow realm, which is a great Yu-Gi-Oh reference, by the way. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, which, again, you know, something maybe I'm a little old for, but. Uh, yeah, I might have, yeah. My, my yeah. siblings know what's up. Um, regardless, this was like. Yeah, you're right. Pe- peak A10 Twitter in September. It's... Kim English has to know better than to uh, than, than to, to you know go at A10. Why would you? Why? Yeah. But like, who do you who, like? Thank you for giving us all the engagement we could ever want. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, but we, we he got new followers out of that bunch of, uh, <laughs> bunch of likes, retweets, quote tweets. We got we get more action than than we ever would have expected. Um, but hey, uh, Kim English wasn't the only one uh, to take a big L this weekend. Uh, our favorite basketball player turned YouTuber turned scam artist got knocked the f out by a guy named Anison Gibb at Social Gloves too. Now, now you're saying, Zach, uh, Austin McBroom, 
is doing, he did social gloves one. That didn't go over well. No, 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 no. This guy has been, uh, he's been promoting social gloves two in order to pay the fighters from social gloves one. Social gloves is now, I believe, officially a Ponzi scheme. I don't know. He's also being sued for $100 million. And his wife is being sued for $60 million by a uh, cosmetics company. This is insane. But I want to focus on the knockout. And Pete has not seen this yet. This is this is not raw highlight. This is an edited uh, video uh, of the highlight, humorously edited. And I, I, I have to show uh, our good friend Peter here. Um, I, yeah, I have absolutely zero interest but you know for the for the sake of being a good sport yes uh see, i'm seeing the i hope you can here and i'm already rolling my eyes i'm i'm hoping that you can hear the sound uh let me see uh let me make, let me see if i can do um uh, i hope that you can hear the okay Sorry, I got. Oh God! Sorry. Hold on, I had to think about it for a second. I had to think about it for a second. Uh, I, I really hope our listeners have an appetite for more Austin McBroom content, because uh, I certainly do not. Uh oh, hold on. The default microphone has changed. So, here we go. When someone gets knocked out, they get beat really bad. Mm. You know how that clip just keeps playing over and over and over again? Do you ever face anybody as athletic as I am, as fast, as quick, and as strong? I really hope he's serious because in this game, he gets seriously hurt. He just happens to be somebody that's going to get embarrassed at night, unfortunately. Yes, he has experience but he's just not on my level. <laughs> it's going to be a quick fight. He's not getting past three rounds. Uh, he was right. That's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, well, it's embarrassing for McBroom. I mean, this is not a new thing to boxing, you know, to, to talk a bunch of trash like that before a fight and get, as you said, knock the F out. I'm happy to see McBroom get beaten down like that. I mean, this is like, uh, I've, something I've always said here is like when, when slew players transfer, when they graduate, whatever they're doing at the next level, I'm always rooting them on for success in their lives. That is not true about Austin McBroom. Um, watching him get his clock cleaned is very satisfying. He seems like a bad person. And uh, I think everything about his post slew persona and career if you can call it that it's just you know social media attention economics uh is trash and uh yeah so i you know i i i wish nothing but the worst for him i hope all those fighters uh who didn't get paid last time uh find a way to get even with them and and get their money back somehow uh, yeah it's it's an absolute uh debacle over there with the ace family uh it's it's the f family really yeah if you're not familiar with them and and austin mcbroom and the ace family i i normally would tell you to like look it up and check it out but like don't give them the no 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 so what you need to do 
is and we're gonna do we, we may go down a rabbit hole one day for just like 30 minutes and make pete watch some of the commenters that go in go look at guys like drew gooden um coffeezilla uh go who's the one i just watched uh, but yeah, these commenters that, that, you know, look into scams and, and all this, like they comment on social media influencers, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's Which so much Which in and of stuff. itself is frequently a scam. Yeah. I mean, even as of like recently, there was a video where uh, his ex-sister-in-law uh, accused them of trying to kill somebody. Oh, uh, again, they're allegedly, just, all allegedly. Bad uh, oh, all they're, bad they're terrible. Um, the, the, my least favorite thing in all of pop culture is probably like all the Kardashian stuff. I just like, oh, I yeah. hate that. And this is like the Z grade level of that. This is just like, uh, they just, all rent mate, mega mansions. They, they, they and... want to be that. And yes. they're just like the trashiest, worst version of that. So yes. Yeah. All right. Keep fighting. Keep losing Austin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's uh let's recap a little bit of a uh, billiken night at bush pete who who threw out the first pitches and and who did you uh who'd you think had the best uh throwing form you know we had yuri collins we had rebecca tillett and johnny klein so good representation across the athletic program uh men's and women's soccer men's basketball collins former baseball player himself uh he he bounced one in in you know pretty close he could have gotten somebody to swing at that i think uh, till it through what looked like a strike and then uh i didn't i didn't have a good angle on Kleins, but uh yeah i think it was just it was just a bit outside just as, a bit outside uh, yeah well as... you know he's a, he's a soccer player but um um but yeah no it's it's very cool to see him all do that and and yuri even said maybe he'll have to to lace him back up again someday and uh you know he used to play baseball uh be like, a, be like a Deion sanders situation right yes. that would be awesome but yeah it's uh it, it seemed like a successful another successful slew night at the ballpark um you know great to see it happen what did you think of the giveaway item this year it wasn't my it was, favorite yeah it was a hat and people were kind of torn on it i think yeah i mean it just i uh, like i would like that kind of hat but like blue hat isn't really something that i mean unless Unless it's like all blue, I don't know. It was merging two very different aesthetics, like understated hat with a gray front and a, like a leather like logo, and then like a loud color like blue. I I just didn't. It it didn't appeal to me. I thought it was trying to do too many things at once, and uh, or just didn't. It missed the mark in my opinion. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, there there have been some other years, like, um, I think my favorite all time that they've done, they did that kind of like blue kind of 80s cut like style, um, yeah. V-neck, uh, like, mesh practice yeah. jersey. Yeah, mesh yeah. I thought that was an awesome item. And I, I probably that's definitely one I would probably grab on eBay if it popped back up someday. Yeah, um, I have it, I have one of those in my closet right now. And it, there is one on eBay, I'm sure. I think for the most part, they've done a really nice job on this stuff. And it's also not like, a give, it, but it's not a giveaway it. either. It's a theme night. That's true. That's true. So, right. it's not, so it's not they a, do. I, have the, I yeah. mis, misnamed it there. Yeah. Yeah. No, they have the benefit of basically, I, I, if you're not familiar with theme nights, it's you buy a ticket to the game and then you pay like $10 for the theme item and right. they, they'll do it with all the colleges around town. Um, and then they'll do like, uh, 
stuff. 420 night, uh, Pride night. Uh, it's just, and, and 420 <laughs> is obviously, uh, what's it, Jimmy Buffett night, I think, or Grateful Dead night. Okay. They, they do all, right. all like them. The Beatles will have a night. Star Wars definitely has a night. Um, yeah. But they, blues do it too. Cardinals, I think the Billikens tried a little bit, but um, it wasn't, you know, I, I think it's harder because people, you know, you can skip a bunch of Cardinal games, right? Like, mm-hmm. you can't skip Billiken games, and I don't know if people want to pay an extra $10 on top of their ticket already. So, right. Um, but, yeah, speaking of baseball, um, I I want to rant a little bit for a second. Not super heavy, uh, but uh, – and, and, of course, I know what our fans or our listeners think uh, is that this is going to be another rant about volleyball, and it's not. Uh, as I said, baseball is what I want to talk about. Um, and, and I – you know, when I talk about volleyball, I talk about underperforming. And, and really what baseball has been doing for the last, gosh – 15, 10, you know, since Hendo got here, right, has been overperforming based on its support both internal and external. Uh, now, internally, from what I understand from conversations I've had with alumni, um, Hendrickson is pretty much on his own to market the program to donors and, and alumni. Uh, he's the one who got the turf infield. He's the one who got the don- donor uh the, the donor to put up the money for the batting cages, the hitting cages. Uh, he's the one who got the, the money for the new uh, wall around the, the, the field. Uh, externally, I, I think we need more people that are passionate about baseball and passionate about the Billikens to take an interest in this program, um, fina- both financially and non-financially. I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, just the stadium in general doesn't seem to be – uh, in great shape all the time. You know, the soccer field's always looking great. Baseball field doesn't have that. I mean, is there anyone out there that uh, can partner with the athletic department to provide services, I, I baseball-specific services? I know, you know, there's a difference between landscaping a soccer field and landscaping a baseball field. I mean, it's, it is it is a little bit more nuanced, as, as well as softball, too. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I really would love to help. And, I mean, obviously we know that uh, I do not uh, f- possess the amount of funds to, to, to help. Um, I, is, there any, is there anything we can do out there? Our listeners, if you – I mean, if you would be interested in, you know, I, I'd run around the, the freaking warning track all day. If we can get money per lap, I don't know. Um, it's – it's annoying, and I, I want this baseball program. This baseball program has such great potential in its in its staff. I mean, look at he, what Hendrickson has done with no 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 real stadium, just bleachers, no press box, no locker room really to speak of next to the field. Soccer just got one. I think I think baseball, given their NCAA appearances the last, you know. Uh, Again, ten to fifteen years. Uh, they, they've, they've done what you've asked and more. And it's it's time that uh, you know fans of baseball and fans of the Billikens step up as well as I think the institution in a lot of ways. So that's where I stand, uh, Pete. I don't know if you uh, have anything to say. 
you know, the baseball facilities are something that has has definitely popped up in conversations among SLU fans. I know um, on our on our message boards on Twitter, I've seen things where it's just kind of like people sort of wonder why we can't do a little bit better, especially especially now that we're seeing in the last five plus years. There are high schools in the St. Louis area who are building like legit baseball facilities like you know i a lot of people listen to this know i went to chaminade and they built kind of like a you know like a permanent press box bleacher seating like it's not really even bleachers like a permanent seating area behind the diamond like like legit kind of dugouts good looking wall i mean it all looks really really nice um compared to what was there back when i went there and that's happening at a lot of other schools as well we look at lower division schools in the area, Lindenwood on its way up to D1. Maryville has spent heavily on athletics. There are a lot of programs in the in the area, even um, lower division or D1, that have invested money in in what we would call non-revenue sports, and and they have pretty great-looking baseball facilities. And I, I just sort of wonder, like, SLU is a school that has so much in the way of of, of facilities, um, athletic and non-athletic. We've we really been successful with capital campaigns in recent years i mean we saw the the laughlin family champion center the soccer facility um i i, I kind of feel like it's baseball's turn if there's going to be a legit capital campaign but if there's not i mean do you is there is there anything we can do aside from just kind of making noise in our own little way here yeah i don't know i i think it's kind of up to what our listeners would do honestly um, like I said, look, I'll run around the, the freaking warning track. If you guys pledge money, I'll run around it 12 hours. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. If we can get enough money, I'll do it. Um, you know, I think we've been bang. Like it's the press box is one of those things. Like you, like if you could add a press box and at minimum, I'm saying at minimum, if you could add a press box and brick around the bleachers, I mean, just from a purely aesthetical sense, recruits see that and it looks 10 times better. Yeah. I mean, right right now it looks like a high school field. It really does. I know. And we've said this on other shows. I think when we got several months ago and we got um, Carter Chapley on here and West Pine Bills to kind of talk a a little bit around table, um, I think what we came, the consensus was, in a sport like baseball and softball, which is right there too, I mean, a little bit goes a long way. They don't need a new arena, you know. They don't need a new like stadium. Stadium. We're not talking about a, a big sport here. Maybe five hundred to a thousand seats. Sure. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it's it, it. Yes, it would be expensive, and I know like construction costs are out of control right now. Um, but at least. You know, get, get see see what's out there, and you know we we know baseball alums. We know there's a there's a really nice network of of good successful baseball alums in in the St. Louis area and and outside of it. Um, and it's not just them; it's anybody who kind of supports the athletic program and realizes um, a lot of the other teams kind of have what they need right now. And I, I think that's that's one kind of glaring area where you could really step up. And, um, and and show that your whole athletic program is serious. Yeah, I, I, again, it's it's from the bo- from the bottom to the top. That's where you have to, you know, if your commitment at the bottom isn't doesn't show you're committed to athletics, it looks 
it looks a little rough. I mean, I can't. I mean, obviously, you bring basketball players on campus, potential student athletes. You bring uh, soccer prospects on campus. Like all that stuff. Like it, it. It may not matter. Like it may not be the defining factor to most. But like, hey, like if this is like this, you know, I, I don't know. Obviously. Obviously, it's probably not that big of a deal, but it's still something you want to present to people walking to the basketball games, right? Yeah, that's How right. How like, you walk through both fields. Like, if both fields look sweet. Like, I went over to Maryville. That place is sweet. Yeah. Like, I, I work over that way. Like, it, it's all really freaking nice. Um, and I just don't know why we can't uh, church up the baseball and softball fields uh, at least a little bit, make it look, you know, uh, a desirable place to go watch a game. Because that's what you oh, yeah. You've got free marketing for your baseball stadium or your baseball team and your softball team. Every time people go to Chaffetz, they got to walk through. Right. Fix it. That's all I'm saying. Fix it. Um, men's soccer. Uh, UIC game got canceled Monday evening. And, again, this is the second time – in as many years that UIC has made a blunder uh, with their schedule. Uh, UIC played Loyola. Uh, apparently this uh, date was double booked by the Flames. Uh, so again, two years in a row, I, I, I'm not sure y'all want, you want to put them back on the schedule. Yeah, that's pretty frustrating and pretty strange too. I, I can't believe that happened. And it's weird to look at the men's and women's uh, schedules right now. And the women have played twice as many game as the men i know they started a, a week earlier but that's still weird like four is a big gap uh for two teams playing in the same season yeah it is and it's it, it's odd like i feel like i've missed so many women's soccer games at, at, but like four men's soccer games i don't know it's so wild uh right uh, but the men played on friday night uh an unfortunate result uh, for the Billikens, Peter. Yeah, we talked about SMU being just a, a really legit men's program. We tied down there last season. We've got an SMU transfer on the roster. Um, and they came in and hung a 3-0 loss on SLU. Um, like you said, unfortunate result. And this leaves SLU at 1-3 one one with the loss. And kind of, it's been a disappointing, tough start to the season, Zach. Yeah, it has. And, and I think growing pains were expected. I think... Uh, it's it's tough. Uh, you've got so much roster turnover. Uh, obviously, we saw struggles with the system uh, the year prior to uh, the Elite Eight run. Uh, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing now is a little bit of the same kind of uh, ailment uh, for the men's soccer team. Uh, in this game, uh, SMU got on the board really early in the second minute. Uh, Newt Ollander, assist by Alexander Petraeus, right on the doorstep, his sixth goal of the season. Uh, in the 52nd minute, Petraeus scored himself, assisted by Frederick Skilberg, which is a great freaking name. <laughs> uh, Skilberg passed it after a nice run. Uh, 71st minute, Kyron Chambron Pino uh, scored on an absolute pill of a free kick. Um, SMU outshot 18 to eight, outshot slew 18 to 12, including six to two on goal. 
14-9. The fouls uh, in this one, SLU had 14. Another chippy game. Uh, as you said, uh, SLU drops to 1-3 and three with the loss. Uh, but upcoming is the bronze boot. It just means more, Peter. It does. At SIUE on Tuesday night, the 13th. Uh, at 7 p.m. I think that's St. Louis time. Do I have that right? Uh, I do. 7 p.m. St. Louis and uh, Edwardsville time there. Uh, I Yeah, I put it in Eastern in our notes accidentally out of, out, out of habit there. Uh, but yeah, it's the bronze boot, Zach. And, and I mean, do we know anything about SIU, the, uh, SIUE this season? I mean, they, um, t- they tend to be good. Um, I don't know much. Um, let's see. Three, three, one, and one. Yeah. Uh, they beat uh, a very tough Lindenwood team, 2-0. Uh, I joke. Um, yeah, no, they've got a loss against Loyola Marymount um, at CSUN. What the hell is CSUN? Cal, that's Cal State Northridge. Oh, Jesus. How did I not know that? Um, big 5-1 win against Southern Indiana and a 1-0 squeaker against Western Illinois. Uh, again, their only loss was to Loyola Marymount. So, no, I don't know. It's not a great schedule there. Loyola Marymount obviously has put out, uh, you know, decent teams in the past. So, I think it'll be a close game, um, as it always is. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking a tie or a, uh, or a Billiken win in this one, personally. Um, you know, yeah, I, I, I do – I got to say, I do appreciate – loyal or uh siue puts bronze boot on their schedule they uh they have that kind of listed yes. under SLU, whereas SLU does not um, I, I wonder if they if SLU would if it was at SLU. Mm, that's a good point uh i want to say they have in the past but i am yeah. not sure uh they did not or at least it's no longer there some of the a lot of the schools put in like whatever like theme night or whatever promotion they do a lot more promotions than i think slew does hmm. uh, I, I mean home co- like they do have the homecoming game on there uh for siue uh slew does uh homecoming and fireworks at halftime that's against vcu obviously but uh talking about in conference the billikens will kick off their conference slate at LaSalle on the 17th at 5 p.m. Central Time. Pete, what are we thinking here with this with this SLU team? Are they in trouble? I mean, obviously, it seems like a, an auto bid is probably out of the question. Or not an auto bid, I'm sorry, an at-large bid. Right, yeah, I, I think that's fair to say at this point. The auto bid would be the only way in. Um, uh, yeah, so, so it's a little bit different than on the women's side because the women have a more clear line between non-conference and conference. Uh, but the men do have some more non-conference games. They play Marquette later this month. Uh, they play IUPUI in October, mid-October. That's now um, Indiana University at Indianapolis. Right. I just IU, learned about IUI, I think, IUI. is what it, what it will be once the rebrand is complete. Apparently, they didn't even field a basketball team last year. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, they they sat. Was it last year or the year before? They sat either, the either way, that's insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, in terms of level of panic, I, I don't know. I'm not panicked here. We knew we weren't going to be what we were last year. We still kind of hope that this team coming in as a preseason number 10, based on what uh, everybody thought of their returning and incoming talent, uh, would be a tournament team again. 
Maybe it'll just take time. Think about the women's team last season, which really struggled in the non-conference schedule, really struggled, and then lost a couple of games in conference for the first time in years. Um, all is not lost. You know, that team by the end of the year uh, won the won the conference tournament, got back in the NCAA tournament, won a game there. So so anything is possible um, if if you can if you can beat your conference. And yeah. I think SLU definitely has a chance to do that. They're struggling to defend right now, and they've just got to learn the system. They've got to come together. All these new pieces have to click um, in order for it to work. Uh, on the positive side here with St. Louis University Athletics, women's soccer continues uh, to play at a really high level um, after their, uh, their little misstep with Notre Dame. Uh, in a wild finish, uh, the Billikens beat Xavier 3-2. to uh, That was on Thursday the 8th. Uh, this game was wild, Peter. It was, and, I, and I'm, I'm so disappointed I couldn't be there to see it. Like I said last week, I found out at the last minute that I had to travel for work. So I was driving home from Wisconsin when this, uh, <laughs> when this was all happening somewhere in rural Indiana. And unfortunately, I, I, I missed this one, which only happened a couple miles from my house. Pete, why don't you run us down the scoring in this one? I, I, I Before we go on, I, I, I at some point want to talk about the Xavier Keeper because I thought she was not good in this one. Like, right. I thought she was the direct result of the Billikens winning this game, honestly. Yeah, well, the same couldn't be said of our keeper. So in the 10th minute, Emma Rogers from Xavier uh, scored off an assist from Emma Flick. Um, and then in the 15th minute, five minutes later, Katie Hauk lobbed in a free kick from a little inside the half line. Xavier's keeper got her hands on it, but it was a little too high. And, uh, and we had a tie game. Hauk's first career goal, and it was just a bomb of a free kick. I think she just was dealing it up there and seeing what happened and uh, got picked off a goal from it. 31st minute, Emma Flick. What a great uh, name, by the way. Emma, Emma Flick, Flick, yeah. If your name's Emma, that. you got points in this game for Xavier from reagan dancer another great name jesus and uh and xavier had a 2-1 lead at halftime that one came in the 31st minute early in the second half emily piercelli made i think what zach we would probably call the save of the season so far i mean it will be the save of the season in all of women's college soccer just an incredible stop xavier player made a nice move to kind of stop spin and cut out to her left she lost she lost two slew defenders kind of to the outside and just ripped a nice curving ball into the top four corner, far corner. I bet uh, she probably felt pretty good about that as soon as she let it go. And uh, and there's our keeper to somehow get a hand there. And it was kind of her 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 offside hand too. I mean, yeah, she, she did she go over over right. The... She got her left up there. Yeah, man, it was a. It, I, I I watched that thing like forty times. Just an incredible stop. Yeah, you actually want to go up with your the hand higher or the arm higher. So, like, if you're diving to the left, you want to reach your right hand out there. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So all right. that's just kind of regardless. She, she she knew what she was doing, and she was all the way up there. And the and the this the, the save was so clutch because a minute later, a couple slew players uh, managed to retain possession a little past the half line, um, despite some contact from Xavier. It was physical, but they let they let him play on. And uh, the second one was Gaby, who passed it over to Kelly. Kelly takes a couple small dribbles back the opposite way, turns and just blasts a curving, arcing shot to the far side of the net. Outstanding equalizer for there. 
And then uh, there she is again in the 75th minute. She had a free kick from outside the box, kind of near the corner. It was a tough angle. And she just hit it right at the keeper as hard as she could. Keeper got her hands on it and it wasn't enough. And all of a sudden it's three to two slew, 15 minutes to go. And that was that wound up being all they needed. I mean, that's two goals right there where the keeper needs to, to you know, uh, make a save. I, I think yep. save, she should have saved that 15-minute goal, and she sure as hell should have saved this uh, this 75th-minute go-ahead goal. And, and there's your game right there. Uh, run us down the uh, all the uh, pertinent numbers in this one. Xavier outshot Slew 10-6. to six. They put seven on net compared to Slew's five. Uh, Xavier had all four corner kicks in this game, which is rare. Normally, Slew wins that stat. Um, again, this was a good team, and they're playing on Xavier's home turf. Uh, Slew had 16 fouls to Xavier's 13, but Slew had, or sorry, Xavier had four yellow cards to Slew's three. Um, so physical game out there on the turf in Cincinnati, but um, Slew came away with a really nice win, Zach. Yeah, they they followed it up Sunday the 11th uh, with a 3-0 win versus SIUE. Uh, this one, um, the. The score would indicate a closer game than it actually was. Uh, this right. was an exercise in SIUE defending for most of the game. They did start out on the front foot. It's kind of funny. Uh, SIUE put a little pressure on them early. I mean, with I mean, obviously that we scored within the first minute, but like <laughs> it looked like SIUE was gonna, you know, uh, I, I I think this goal just completely took them out of the game as far as attacking goes. SIU he came out a little hot and SLU just saw right through it. Uh, her, her The SIUE goalkeeper got her hands on Emily Gay. It was shot. right at her. Uh, she batted it down, yeah. and uh, Caroline Kelly's right there for the rebound. I don't think she even realized how close Kelly was or maybe how fast she could get to that spot because she just sort of batted it down almost as if she was expecting it to, to keep it. And yeah. uh, nope, put it in right past her. So one thing keepers will do on a on a hard shot directly at them just to kind of like mm-hmm. dampen the the blow on their on their fingers is to just like catch it but like direct it down so that it bounces back up and then they grab it uh, and that's kind of what happened here but it it was almost like the keeper was in between doing that and catching it right. and it ended up between her knees. And it bounced out just enough to where, uh, you know, Caroline or sorry, yeah, Kelly could get get to the ball without causing a foul. So, um, kudos to Don Tebow for not whistling that dead. Yeah, and waving off the goal. <laughs> and uh, you, you can't be indecisive when uh, Caroline Kelly's charging at you. No, you uh, cannot. You got to know exactly what you're going to do with that ball. Uh, how about this 55th minute goal? Abby Miller PK. Um, what can we say about the PKs this season, except they've just been really solid with them, especially the move, her. The move to draw the PK was on the, like, it was so, it was such a ballsy, like, I'm way faster than you. Try mm. to stop me. She literally just played the ball to the side of the player, around the player, and then ran around the other side. I, I mean, just turned on the Jets, accelerated, and, and the defender had no choice. Uh, took her down. Uh, clipped her uh, on the way by, and uh, this this goal again. I thought the keeper had a chance at this one. The the keeper did have a chance at this one. It was just she didn't get down quick enough. It was within her grasp, though. Yeah, well struck. Um, yes. You know, had she not been as as tough with it, um, keeper may have had a more of a chance. 
But in the 61st minute, um, Slew kind of put this away for good. Uh, Hannah Frederick and Hannah Larson. Slew does that thing out of a corner kick where they kind short of, corner. They, yeah, they do a short corner and they've got kind of a two on O for a, a little room to to do something with it rather than just sort of lobbing one in. So Frederick on a little give and go action out of a corner kick with Hannah Larson. Uh, she she gets just inside the edge of the box and managed to put just enough on it. Uh, low kick skipped um, along the grass there and and just squeaked it in the uh, the inside edge. Uh, SIUE keeper, this is another one she probably could have, should have had. Yes. Um, and it just kind of trickled by her in the near post. 3-0 slew, and that's uh, that ended up being all they needed. Yeah, uh, great game for the Billikens. Um 24 to two on shots, 11-0 on goal. That means uh, Piercelli, as as uh, I believe Lord Elrond posted uh, uh, or pointed out on Billikens.com. Uh, yeah, Piercelli gets a gets a shutout without having to even touch the ball with her hands really off a shot. Um, corners were 7-0 Billikens, and uh, the fouls were 21 to 15 SIUE. Uh, with the edge there, SIU, we got the game's only yellow card. Pete, where do we think uh, the Billikens will land? Uh, they're now 7-1 and one after the conference season, currently 15 in the coaches' poll. Um, top drawer going to start taking notice. It's, it's odd. Usually top drawer ranks teams before coaches. I yeah, they it, it kind of felt like that, at least with the men's team last season, I think, um, if, if memory serves. But um, I, I, I think they've got a, you know, top drawer soccer had Xavier number 21. Um, I got to think Xavier's out and slews in. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I would have to go through the top 25 and kind of look at everybody who won and lost over the last week. Could to be honest? I'm not going to do that. But I think this is probably enough for slew to move up to like a kind of 12 maybe a few spots in that in that 12 13 maybe in the um coaches poll i'm gonna just go ahead and assume a couple teams ab above them lost and um in top drawer soccer i think they're going to get into the kind of high teens um that's that's, that's kind of what i'm feeling in terms of where they are right now they're they're seven and one and i think the key here is that one was to notre dame uh, which is now seven and zero undefeated, and they've conceded only three goals this season on twenty one uh, scores. They feel like a Final Four caliber team to me right now. Oh yeah, and I, and I know they're about to start a really tough ACC season, but regardless, that team um, clearly a class above anyone else. Slew has played this season, and um, the only team that Slew has not been able to outclass. So that's kind of what I'm thinking for, uh, for rankings here. Um, I don't know if you agree, disagree, Zach. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think if you're going to watch another, uh, NCAA women's soccer game, that's not a Billiken game. Like I would check out Notre Dame, uh, North Carolina. That's going to be probably a, an absolute, uh, slug fest. Uh, North Carolina is number one, I believe right now. And, uh, Notre Dame, uh, I mean, they have to be in the top five, top, I think top three. Uh, they're they're very very good. Uh, coming up next for the Billikens, um, are they also playing at LaSalle this week? I, yeah. I had to, I like I want to double check that and make sure we just didn't copy it. Uh, yeah, Thursday the fifteenth at LaSalle, and then Sunday the eighteenth at Richmond. So a little bit of a road swing. Uh, I, I think uh, um, uh, Shields said it. Uh, you know, she talked about how difficult it is to go on the road, and 
and playing Xavier on the weeknight and then going to uh, coming back home. And of course, you're traveling from one one away game to another. It it, it complicates things even further. So uh, it'll be interesting uh, to see how they play. And, and and they should fare well. Obviously, that's I mean they are the class of the league right now. Uh, the A10 women's soccer has been has been pretty strong this year too. Yeah, and it's I, I kind of like that they start with two on the road, uh, three out of the first four on the road. Um, I know that's a little grueling, but it does mean it's it's kind of their their schedule is kind of a mirror this year because their last two were at home, three of the last four are at home. Um, so it does mean you get a lot of home time, uh, you know, before the A10 tournament. And the nice thing about the A10 tournament is all but the final are on campus sites. And if this team is as good as we think and we know that they are, uh, I would I would bet pretty much money on them being one of those campus sites pretty comfortably um, it, it, on those on those first two dates. Where is so, the final? Um, oh, it looks like you know what the final will be at a campus site as well. According yeah, I was going to gonna say that's wild. Yeah. Okay. All right. Finals at so a campus top site. As well. seed. So SLU has a chance, assuming that they let let's just you know, hypothetically speaking, that they wind up being the number one seed going into that, they would play five straight games at home to end the year. Yeah. Um, you know, they've, they've got VCU and St. Joe's at home, and then they would have three A-10 tournament games potentially at home. So that sets up really, really nicely, not having to travel before then the following week, you know, November 11th, you're, then you're traveling to the NCAA tournament. So um anyway i kind of like that they're they're starting with these road tests um at LaSalle and at richmond and i i certainly wouldn't want to be any other uh a10 women's program right now because slew looks like they could uh they could steamroll this conference um pete why don't why don't we talk about uh two men in the garden real quick yeah let's do it because this weekend i kind of realized i've I, it's been a it's been a minute since i've had their uh their dill pickles i talked about their bread and butter and how i'm not a bread and butter pickle guy and then i wind up eating a whole jar of theirs in about three days uh but the dill is really the sweet spot for me and i love their their dill pickles they um they've got the dill they've got the uh the garlic right there in the jar um, there's so much flavor. It's great. It, if you if you've ever gotten it's a grocery store brand Grillos um, that they, they come in a plastic jar, but they've also got the dill, the garlic right in there. But a few days after you open one of those, it's so it gets really kind of harsh and astringent. That does not happen at all with these two men in a garden dill pickles. I'm telling you, they're they're outstanding. And uh, it's kind of a challenge not to open up a jar and just eat the whole thing. <laughs> they, they really are that good. Uh, so I, I recommend them strongly. They're at stores um, all over th- all over the St. Louis area, or you can find them at twomenandagarden.com. Uh, once again, that's twomenandagarden, twomenandagarden.com, or at twomensalsa on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Pete, now the, the reason people genu- generally listen to us, uh, men's basketball. The full schedule is now official. Uh, with the release of the A10 conference schedule, and and thank goodness our uh, our uh, media relations team uh, works a little bit faster than the one at Fordham, because we would have had to wait a day to get an official graphic. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Insane. That um, is wild. Yeah. Uh, Pete, what are your thoughts? That's why people come. They want to. That's why people come and listen to us. They want to hear your thoughts. 
Okay, so we're going to do mine first on this one because yes. I, me personally, uh, this is this schedule. I don't want to say that this conference schedule is as bad as it gets, but for me personally, it's close. Um, I, I said on the last show a couple of years ago, we kind of got a little complacent because we started conference five and zero against a little bit easier schedule. Uh, this year we start out with road games, which it, we know the A10 on the road. It's hard, oh, it right? Sucks. It it really sucks. But we've got two winnable ones: St. Joe's and UMass. A for you know a, a good UMass team, but first year Frank Martin program there. They're a program in transition, and then we come home to face another program in transition: St. Bonaventure, who lost their whole starting lineup from last year. George Mason at home, uh, and then we go to George Washington. So it's it it. it it's another kind of five games that we should win all five of those. Will we, I don't know. Maybe we go four and one, maybe we drop one that we shouldn't in there. Um, but that all that means is that this winds up being a backloaded schedule and we finish against Richmond on the road, Loyola, Chicago at home, VCU on the road, and then Dayton at home. Now Dayton on at home, senior day, senior night, whatever time it's going to be, that's great because that could be potentially for the conference at that point. We don't know what record, how records are going to shape up, but those are, you know, at this point thought to be the top two teams in the league. Um, so that that's great. I love that part, but this is a back heavy schedule. It really, really is. Um, and I think that that's just going to be a grueling, you know, February. That's just a, so really hard when you look at february we've got vcu rhode island at home we go to dayton we've got davidson duquesne at home and then those last four that i already told you about richmond loyola vcu dayton that's not many kind of weak you know opponents in the eight ten. maybe that duquesne game maybe rhode island but I, I think they're a lot better this year uh so we have a soft january and a tough february and that to me is really tough. Now, the other reason I think this is, is tough, and I'll let you get into this more. Um, this is not the best travel schedule. If you're a slew fan in St. Louis looking to get out to games, you know, the one that I'll, or two that I'll specifically call out. One is that Dayton game. It's on a Friday night. Unlucky for me personally, because that's my wife's 40th birthday weekend. And that's right after I get back from a work trip. Again, just bad luck. But the other one that makes less sense than me is we talked about before, based on our opponents, we didn't have a lot of opportunities to kind of combo up weekends, you know, like we didn't have the two Philly games or the two DC games on the road or anything like that. But what we did have was the two Richmond games, Richmond and VCU. We knew we were both playing them on the road. We're playing them a week apart with Loyola at home in between. So we're not staying in Richmond the whole time. And they're both on Tuesday nights. So we play we play in at Richmond on a Tuesday night, February 21st. We come home to play Loyola that Saturday. And then Tuesday night, we go back out to Richmond and play VCU. And I just like, regardless of the fact that, you know, people who listen to this know by now, my brother lives there. I want to visit him and, you know, spend a long weekend and everything. Uh, again, like the Dayton game, purely selfish reasons. But I don't see how that makes any sense at all not to, you know, of all the the games where that we you know do play back to back on the on the road, George Washington Loyola Davidson Fordham, 
none of them are close to each other. And these two are a week apart. And to me, Zach, that's just really unfortunate. Yeah, it really stinks. I was uh, I was hoping to get out to uh, you know a few road games this year. I real I, you know make some content out of it, have some fun. Uh, <clears throat> Loyola's on a Wednesday night. That stinks. I'm gonna make try to make it work, but it, it's annoying. Uh, more PTO that I really wanted to take there, um, especially for a drivable game. Um, you know. That the, you mentioned the the Tuesday nights and the Friday nights, and, and I wonder how much the A10 takes into account. You know, can we get them on TV? You know, it, it seems like our best games are on weeknights, and it's kind of felt that way for a long time. And or weeknights or Friday nights, so like Friday 10 on ESPN. Um, it just feels like they. They value uh, what what they can get on national TV versus uh, the ease of travel or for fans or even the teams. I mean, how stupid! Like we've got to we've got to go to Virginia, come back, then go back to Virginia. Like that's just that's ridiculous for the team, not even the fans. It is, and I would feel really bad for the team if they were flying commercial for all that stuff still. And I'm, you know, they're very fortunate to be chartering because it's not like there's a nonstop from St. Louis to Richmond anymore. You know, there that's is gone. not. I can confirm that that's gone, and and that's you know the same thing. If I were flying from Cincinnati, there's just not great times for that. You've got layovers in Charlotte or D.C. or Newark or wherever. It's it's just it doesn't. Um, it doesn't work well, especially for fans traveling. And again, that's on a Tuesday. So I don't think, I don't know, but I don't think we have a huge alumni club presence in Richmond. We had a good crowd at the game at Richmond last season. Uh, but I know a lot of people came down from DC a little bit harder to do on a Tuesday night. Um, you know, even with some options to get down from DC and back. So that's really tough. Another thing I noticed about the schedule, the first three sets of games in January we play Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, we play at Davidson on Friday, the 27th. And then the next three weeks, we play a Tuesday, Friday split, um, which is kind of weird. And then, um, then we go back to a Wednesday, Saturday, then a Tuesday, Saturday, and then that Tuesday, Friday again for VCU and Dayton to finish the season. Um, so it is kind of, you know, the games, they seem to be relatively consistent in spacing, if not necessarily the, the nights, um, you know, we, we historically, I think have played more Wednesdays than Tuesdays, but if you look at, um, the end of January and February, four of the last five weeknights, you know, not including those Friday night games, they're on Tuesdays and not, and only the Davidson on February the 15th is a Saturday or sorry, a Wednesday, just kind yeah. of an un unusual, uh, alignment there. I think that Loyola Chicago situation is really unfortunate, um, uh, they gave us a, a home uh, Saturday night game, which obviously makes it a lot easier for the uh, for the, Grif right. the Gryffindors over there at Loyola uh, to come down here and and kind of uh, pack our arena. Now it's great for money, I, but uh, I mean it's not fair that we can't you know we can't get an, uh, an evening game, I guess. Yeah, and or uh, a weekend game. And I, and I look for the for the sort of the Western outpost teams of this league, which is us and Loyola, and especially to a lesser extent Dayton and 
maybe even you know Duquesne a little bit. But um, for for the teams that are farther west, it, I mean, I, I kind of feel like the least they could do is is give us weekend to to travel. And look, it's it's pretty fair with Dayton here. Um, we play there on a Friday. They play here mm-hmm. on a Friday. Um, I'm fine with that. It's it's Loyola on a Wednesday. You know, their first their first time in the league is kind of as you say, especially given that they play here or in St. Louis on a, uh, on a weekend, it's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. It's not fun. Um, a couple of roster additions were made official. Well, one we knew about one we've talked about, uh, the second being one that we didn't know about. Yeah. And I'll go with the one we didn't know about first. Uh, his name's Phil Joan. He's a freshman aeronautics major out of Mount Carmel high school in Chicago. So he actually tore his ACL going into a senior season of high school and only played four games late in the year. Um, bit of an unknown, especially given the injury. Um, and, and not even his, they had don't even they have him on the roster now. So we know his number, uh, but we don't know his height or weight. So he's a little more mysterious than uh, than the other walk on Zach. Yeah, uh, Phil Jones sounds like either a like a cult leader or a, like a soccer player. Like your English footballer, uh, right. like such a like nondescript name. Actually, I think Phil Jones is the name of a an English soccer player. Uh, probably why I thought that. But uh, <laughs> Lamont Evans was made official. Uh, I believe we have covered this and and covered his lineage. Yeah, so he's a six foot, uh, one fifty five pound sophomore communication major from Hollywood, Florida. He was a walk on at South Florida as a freshman after graduating. Um, from high school at Blanche Eli or Ellie High School. I think that Blanche Eli is right. He only appeared in one game at USF. Um, again, he was a walk-on there. Kind of the interesting footnote here is that his dad, uh, Lamont Evans, was caught up in that FBI, NCAA coach um, scandal. He was one that kind of, uh, they brought the hammer down on him. And um, he was an assistant coach at Oklahoma State. Uh, and they, they did not bring the hammer down on some of the head coaches who have even gained lucrative contracts in the, in the time since a lot of the stuff these guys are doing, they're now, or were, were, you know, arrested for doing and charged for doing, they're now doing out in the open, um, competitively, uh, within the purview of the NCAA and, um, every federal agency. So, you know. Do with that what you will, but it is an interesting footnote in this uh, in this guy's bio, and certainly he had nothing to do with uh, whatever his dad got involved with. Um, on the recruiting end, the Billikens, uh, I don't want to say lost a recruiting battle, but this one sounds, uh, speaking of doing things out in the open, uh, that, were, that used to be heavily against the rules, uh, Kachi Nze uh, committed to Xavier. He had uh, Xavier in his final four along with SLU, VCU, and Iowa. And I know I've, I've told you and some other people that this is exactly the kind of peer group I like us recruiting in. You've got a Big Ten school, a Big East school. You've got a, a better A-10 program in there. These aren't blue bloods. These are schools we can uh, aspire to in certain ways and also compete with. And, and I really like um, seeing us alongside schools like that for what it's worth in, in a guy's finalists. Uh, his commitment came a few days after his visit to Xavier. 
and he never even wound up visiting VCU or Iowa. SLU was the first visit. We actually felt pretty good about him, and man, am I high on this kid's potential. Um, and I think Xavier must be too, because if rumors are to be believed, they came through with a pretty big NIL package for him. Um, kind of an interesting move for Sean Miller, who's spent the last you know 12 years competing for four and five star talent, and um, he's going in this aggressive on a three star. Uh, he knows talent, you know, and it means he saw something, and um, just really interesting to me. So bummer to, to miss out on this one because I think he was the piece that really tied the front court together once Okoro and Forrester move on next year. Uh, Pete, I want to jump over to volleyball uh, from here. Uh, this this freaking program, man. I, I have no idea what is happening here. Uh, we talked about the debacle of the St. Thomas game. Uh, I mean, I just don't. I'd, they come back and they win two of three at DePaul. And Peter, it's not who you think they beat. <laughs> like if you would have guessed if I say if I say the Billikens played Eastern Michigan, Virginia Tech, and DePaul uh, over the weekend and they won two or three, I mean that's an easy one, right? Well, and especially because um, if you looked at the records going into this one, because didn't you say Eastern Michigan and DePaul were both winless? Uh, I believe they were both winless at the time. Yeah, uh, it or close to it. Right. I think they, like DePaul may have won one game that week leading up to it. Right. So you've got you've got two teams who are thought to be pretty bad, and you've got Virginia Tech, who's an ACC program. All SLU does is go to a 3-2 win over Eastern Michigan, a 3-1 win over Virginia Tech, and then they drop 3-1 to DePaul. Yeah, and and who didn't play? Mac Hill. I mean, she she had a tough game against Missouri State, didn't play this weekend. Do we know what's going on here? Is she injured or what's up? Uh, I don't know. Um, it, it, it It's something that I, I feel like I should – well, I would go back and watch these games, but they're on Flow Sports. Yeah. Uh, Thank so you, I'd be Yeah, I know. I'd be interested to see if she was there uh, mm. because I don't remember reading anything in the, like, reviews. Uh, or the recaps of the games on on uh, on slubillikins.com. but uh, we'll get a chance to to see if she will, uh, you know, is laid up or anything on the 16th and 17th when uh, the Billikens head back home for the Billiken Classic. Uh, Iowa State, Missouri State, and Kansas City will be. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't think she. They, that, it wasn't a Missouri State game she played, and I apologize. I I screwed up that in the notes. That's why. Uh, Peter said that uh, it was uh, Central Michigan. Sorry, was the game that she had a tough one. Um, really not 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 such a good game. But um, I don't know how I messed that one up. But yeah, Missouri State Friday at 7 p.m. Uh, Kansas City Saturday 10 a.m. and then Iowa State at 7 p.m. Uh, and those games uh, will be on ESPN Plus all the way across. Pete, it looks like we've figured out how to show. I, I guess we got all that money that we got from the A10 is going to good use because volleyball was one of those that you know wasn't on all the time. They usually were only on ESPN Plus when uh, when the men's soccer team wasn't playing. And I mean, I think that's the case this weekend, but. You know, in the past, they, they streamed all the games from the Billiken Classic. So 
Uh, that money is clearly being put to good use. Yeah. Uh, over in field hockey, uh, they played twice this weekend at Sportport or this week at Sportport. Uh, they got their first weekend or first win of the season. My goodness, I'm having a, a shocker right now. Uh, 2-1 over Stonehill on Friday the 9th. Stonehill got the game's first goal in the second quarter. Uh, Brooke Mason scores her first goal of the season early in the second half, assisted by Jenna Klars. Uh, Josefina Perez scored with about a minute and a half left in the game. Uh, Abby Vitas had the assist off a corner stroke. Uh, slew out shot Stonehill 25-13, and S- Sasha Sanders made six saves. Uh, they... Followed that up with a loss to Ball State in OT on Sunday the 11th. Ball State scored in the first quarter off a rebound. Third quarter, Olivia Smith scores off a corner, assisted by Josefina Perez. Uh, In OT, Emma Hilton scored her second of the game to win it for Ball State. Uh, This one, again, off a rebound. Uh, The shots were 19-10, slew. Uh, Shots on goal, 6-5, slew. Uh, Slew had nine penalty corners to, to Ball State's three. Uh, next up, Friday the 16th at UMass, Sunday the 18th at Bryant. We're heading into A-10 play. I mean, it, it's like as a Midwest program playing field hockey against East Coast teams, you are. Uh, it's going to be a gauntlet as far as just, I mean, just getting through this season. It has to be tough. It is. And, you know, look, they're one in five now. It's not a great record. Um, these are close games. They lost two to one. They've lost two to one a few weeks ago to BU. They lost two nil to Central Michigan. You you know, yeah, they were they were blown out six nothing to Iowa, six one Michigan State. Those are big ten teams, whatever. They're keeping it close though, Zach. I mean, yeah. they, like this is this kind of feels like they're starting to maybe turn a corner in terms of like being a little more competitive. These are closer scores than for the most part what we saw last year. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, it's interesting in the non-conference because really you, you know you're not going to be good. You know you're not going to compete with – I mean, like there's such a divide between decent, uh, you know, decent to really good programs and the bottom feeders. Like there's so many not good programs. It feels like it would be interesting if, if you know, Zoe Atkins took an approach the way it seems like uh, – the swimming diving team did play a lot more regional games. Uh, but she's, I mean, to her credit, she's, you know, playing teams like, um, Michigan state, like Iowa. So, uh, we'll see, uh, how things go in a 10 play. I think that's a real test. I, I know VCU streams their games, I believe. Uh, so does, uh, VC, wait, I said VCU, sorry. Uh, so does Richmond, I think as well. So, Hopefully that Richmond game uh, will be uh, on ESPN Plus because it's hard to watch them. They can't really stream SLU uh, home games. Uh, like I said, they struggled to stream volleyball. They struggled to stream two games at once. So um, we'll see. Uh, that wraps everything up uh, for this week. I think, Pete, unless you got anything you want to chime in on. No, I don't, Zach. I think we covered it this week. You know, got into the weeds on a couple unusual sus- subjects. And, uh, you know. Oh, open we're, we're... invite to Kim English. Open invite to Kim English. Uh, open invite to Austin McBroom. Yes, um, Austin McBroom. He's welcome on anytime. I mean, I have about as much interest in his actual content as I do 
in a Grandy Grays' OnlyFans. So, uh, which is to say, I am not going to look at either of those things. And, um, you know, but if although, they want to come on the show and talk about it, I'm up for it. I did listen to an interview with the Island Boys. One of them, <laughs> one of them, a lot more than you would expect. So, <laughs> Zach, tapped, Zach tapped his pen on his head. As if to say he's got something going on upstairs. Yeah, you know, who knew? Um, All right. Well, that wraps everything up. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Midtown Mad Pod, at Peter is a tweeter, at Zach Miller MMP, and on Instagram at Midtown Mad Pod. Of course, we appreciate any and all suggestions you might have for the show. Uh, please go subscribe if you already haven't. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube and you made it this far, go down and hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. Uh, if you haven't left a review, drop us five stars. Uh, as always, Pete, go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills.